Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John. Hank, I actually have a joke for you this week, if that's okay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, take the load off. So a guy goes over to his friend's house, his friend's a farmer, and the guy sees a pig walking through a field, and the pig only has three legs. And the guy says to his friend, hey, what's the story with that uh, three-legged pig you got there? And the farmer says, oh, yeah, that's that's Bessie. I mean, Bessie is an extraordinary pig, truly a special pig, utterly, utterly unique. Do you know that Bessie can make noises and they aren't like English, but you can absolutely understand what she's saying all the time? And the guy's mm-hmm. like, oh, OK, yeah, that's 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 great. Yeah. But I I guess I was just wondering, like, about the uh, the three legged thing and then uh the farmer says, another thing about Bessie, when Bessie was three, Bessie won best in show in the entire Indiana State Fair in her category of pigs. And then the guy's like, yeah, no, I, I get I get that Bessie's a cool pig and everything. I'm just saying, like, why does Bessie have three legs? And the farmer says, oh, you know, a pig like Bessie, you don't want to eat all at once. <laughs> Okay. All right. I didn't see it coming. Uh, It's awful. Uh, But hey, so is meat eating generally. I... Uh, this this joke reminded me of Oren, who recently saw a pig going to the bathroom and looked at me and said, my hypothesis is that pig pee come out the butt. (laughs) That's a really good use of the scientific method, and I would love to see an experiment designed to test that hypothesis. (laughs) Hank, before we start answering questions from our listeners, we're going to uh-huh. have to address one really big issue that oh. came up. We usually save the corrections for yeah. the for the end of the show, but this this has to be front loaded. A right. lot, a lot of people wrote in with what I felt like was was a little bit of vitriol about the <laughs> fact that we made fun of Dry Bones, the Mario Kart character. Oh yes, yes, we did talk about how not only 
have we never used dry bones, but we would never use dry bones. Yeah, well, everybody thinks that we are idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are, so. I'll just read you one letter. This one came from Matt, who wrote, To those who have not seen the light, Dry Bones is the best Mario Kart character, and you are both clearly amateurs. Dry Bones <laughs> is, in fact, the most underappreciated character in the entire Mario pantheon. You should be a sh- you should be ashamed of your treatment of such a sweet young turtle skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a nice thing about Dry Bones is that you jump on his head and he falls apart, but you don't kill him because he comes, he he can reassemble. So that just feels better for to my heart. Yeah, so I played as Dry Bones on Mario Kart for like a full hour to try to get what all yeah. these people are screaming at me about. <laughs> and I have to say, yeah, Dry Bones is pr- pretty good. Ah, all right. I liked playing with Dry Bones, so I would like to issue a formal, complete, unreserved apology. To everybody who got really mad at us for saying that Dry Bones was a bad Mario Kart character, Hank and I are genuinely rank amateurs. We do not play Mario Kart professionally, and we will try in the future to better reflect that reality in the way that we talk about Mario Kart characters. And also, of course, the apology extends to Dry Bones as well. I'm very sorry, Dry Bones. John, do you have questions for us today? A bunch of them. Okay, great. I love it. Do you want me to ask one? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I could do it. This one's from Raven, who asks, Dear Hank and John, how do you greet your friends? I have a group of internet friends, and we live in very different time zones. So as of late, we've been saying, hello, good time! But there's got to be a better way. Not a crow, but a raven. Mm. Yeah, I guess you don't. You can't say good morning when everybody's in different time zones. So you just got to say good. Yeah, so we have other ways of, of saying hello. Uh-huh. You know, like uh, hello, for instance. Yeah, uh-huh. there's there's a good one. Or hi, or hola. Yeah, I, I don't know when it happened in my in my history of living in Montana, but I say howdy now. Mm. And so do lots of people. It's a, it's a common thing to say. I suggest howdy. It's great. It sounds nice. And it it is not so much a, a hello as a how are you doing? And uh, but like fun and short. So howdy. Oh. I don't really think it's it. a how are you doing because if somebody says well, howdy to me and from. I and I answer like, oh, I mean, <laughs> I was you've, doing all right until it. I heard this joke about this pig. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking about how messed up it is that yeah. we're animals that eat other animals. Uh, yeah, and, and and by choice, we have the option. Right. So I feel like the proper response to howdy is just a, Tip of the cowboy hat. Tip of the cowboy hat, which is nice. When I encounter people in real life now, which admittedly isn't that often, but when I do, like if, like if I'm running or something and I see somebody who's running or biking toward me, I like a subtle nod of the head. Yeah, but you can't so much always do that over over internet. Uh, you know, you well, want to greet people. You can, though. You just write asterisk, subtle nod of the head, asterisk. Do you... Do anything in particular with your eyes. I feel like this is an extremely subtle gesture where you just like have, there's a great deal that goes into it and I always get it a little bit wrong. Yes. Well, especially like the the lifting of the chin a little bit, which is sort of like a, right. I recognize you, but also like there's some there's some amount of like man to man uh mm. like thing. 
No, and, I don't think it's I don't think it's that. I did somebody did tell me once, like in college or something, that if you, when you're nodding at someone, lift your head up, then you're expressing your like superiority. And if you lower your head down when you nod, <laughs> oh, then you're no. like expressing your like subservience mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh-huh. And that is an example of the kinds of things that people say in college that you take seriously <laughs> that oh, are no. absolutely <laughs> depraved with, yeah. uh, in their meaninglessness. Yeah. Raven, you can also create new words. This is one of the great things about having a friend group is that you don't need to use the words that everybody uses and have been using for all these years. What's so good about these words that we've had for so long? Make up some new ones. Oren does it all the time. Yeah, that's what makes their current hello of good time a really Mm -hmm. good hello. Yeah. Hello, good time. It's great. Or you could do what Oren does, where he just puts the letter B in front of everything, which works for oh. hello, where you ever go, hello, and that's great. That's cute. But it doesn't work for bye, because that you've already got. That's the same. Bye-bye. It actually gets cuter. <laughs> and if you want to say bye-bye, then you have to say bye-bye. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I've All right, Nick, we have another question. This one comes from Taya, who writes, Dear John and Hank, my family plays a lot of card games and we're very competitive, and I love Uno. I think it's a good alternative to other more intense and complex games. However, especially since this all started, my family has gotten annoyed by how much I ask to play Uno. What are some other games I can ask to play that give me the same feeling as Uno? Mm. Thanks a Mm. lot. I mean, you got the obvious ones. Uh, Skipbo, basically, I always felt was, uh, we would like to sell Uno, but can't. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I, th- I actually think the story of Skipbo is more, we made Uno and everyone owns it. We need to make a new game that's the same <laughs> that everyone will buy again. Yeah, they don't, they don't own it. Skipbo, you don't have it yet. <laughs> it's not already in your home. So you could do another one. No, I think that you should use actual playing cards to play games. Like that's the that's the great thing about a yeah, fifty-two card deck is amazing. that you can play so many different games. Like you can play gin rummy, you can play spades, you can play hearts, and all those games give me the same feeling as Uno. But the mm-hmm. game that gives me the feeling of Uno most of all is a game I did not play until I came to the American Midwest. And I guess it is like the Midwestern game. It's called Euchre. Have you ever played Euchre? I've heard of Euchre. I don't think I've played a hand of Euchre ever in my life. It's so good. It's so fun. (laughs) And it's really easy. So like, it's like Uno in the sense that there's the right mix of luck and skill. And there's really, Mm -hmm. in the end, not that much skill. I love it. Right. Do you have to do you have to like pay attention? Because Uno, I feel like requires not much in the way of paying attention. Catherine and I played Cribbage, which... You're constantly doing math in cribbage. You have to like, yeah. you get points for having 15s in your hand. So like a seven and an eight in your hand. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, so I got a two and I got a six and that's an eight. So if I got a two and a six and a seven, then that's 15. I'm just like, right. uh, it's not, it's fun, but it's not like I am have like all this extra brain space for like conversation while I'm playing cribbage. Yeah. Most of my conversations while playing Euchre do revolve around regrets that I have regarding that particular game of Euchre. (laughs) (laughs) This is not going well. But it is. It's very fun and and it's pretty easy to learn and I really recommend it. I also love like Yahtzee and dice games, which are 
fun and fairly meaningless. I like mm-hmm. games that are competitive, but you can't actually get mad at anybody because right. that, yeah, that yeah, ruins yeah. the vibe. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's there's definitely well, I think that Uno can has a little bit of that when you're like, where am I gonna put this wild draw four down? Who am I gonna hit you right. with before or after the reverse? <laughs> right. But I want to tell you, John, about a trick that I use when I'm when I'm in the situation that our that Taya is in here. And it is, I go to Google and I type in the thing that I like, and then I type in the letter, a space, and then the letter V and S. And then it will it'll sh- show you Uno versus Skipbo, because apparently people are like, which one of these should I buy? Or Uno <laughs> versus Crazy 8, or Uno versus Xamarin. I don't know what that is, but I bet it's fun. Hank, what is your all-time favorite non-video game? Do you have, do you have a go-to? Mm. <sighs> um, I mean, weirdly, there's this game called Tokaido that I play a lot. And it's a board game and it's like you are in feudal Japan going on a vacation and you have to have the best vacation. Oh, I've played that game. Yeah. Whoever has the best vacation wins. Yeah, it's fun. And I'm like, yes, I love it. I like to be and it's fairly short. It's fairly clear. It's pretty easy to explain to a newcomer. And like they're probably not going to win the first game, but they're going to play it and they're going to know what's happening. Yeah, that's a great pick. Yeah, I really I really like that as far as like an actual board game that costs money. But my probably my favorite game to play is cribbage, which is amazing because it's just a, like all you need is a fifty-two deck of cards. We should make a deck of cards. Hmm. What would we add to the deck of cards that would make it better than all the other decks of cards? What if we made a uh, pelicans? Pelicans? I was thinking pelicans. more like AFC Wimbledon history. <laughs> oh you know, God. Mars. There's a big. We can sell a, two. We can have an AFC Wimbledon deck of cards. There's a big audience of people out there who want to learn <laughs> AFC Wimbledon history while mm-hmm. playing euchre. Yeah. You, yeah, we'll do a Wimbledon one and a, and a Mars one and see which one sells better. Let's not do that. Competition. Let's, let's stick with. No, 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 no. Okay, we have another question. This one's from Kusha, who writes, Dear John and Hank, in the most recent episode, you both answered a question about the water cycle and mentioned giant underground lakes. And I realized that I imagine groundwater to be like large cavernous dark swimming pools for some reason. (laughs) If I bored a hole through the ground deep enough to reach this water table, could I actually like swim in it like a lake? And more importantly, would it classify as a beautifully foolish endeavor? Great job, (laughs) Kusha, making sure that your question gets answered on Dear Hank and John. Hank's book, A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor, is out now wherever books are sold. I think that not mostly. Mostly you drill water down and you get water out of a well. It's like loosely packed like when you mm. dig down at the beach and like the water comes up out of the beach, it's like that. Yeah. Where like you create the hole and then the water sort of seeps into the hole because there's water around. But That's there are also there are also big lakes, like big caverns that you could swim in for sure. That are it's they're down there. So you you could if you found the right the right one in the right place. Um and but it also could be terrible. It, it could be like a bad lake, but um, yeah. you know. But usually like a nice, cold, freshwater lake. Yeah. So, Kusha, I'm not an expert in this, certainly, but I have played a lot of Minecraft. And I think it's like <laughs> Minecraft where I do. When you dig down, 
sometimes it's lava and sometimes it's just like water starts pouring out of nowhere. Sometimes it is an underground lake. Sometimes there's weird old abandoned mine shafts down there. And you think like, oh, I'm going to be able to get lots of loot out of this. And I'm going to have like a a Goonies like adventure. But then you just get eaten by a spider. The great news, it is nothing like that. And there are no spiders down there that will come out of your pipes. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a great theory. Except that, how do you know? Okay, so Hank says that life underground is not like Minecraft, and I say that life underground is like Minecraft. Believe who you want, Kusha. That's how it works in 2020. It's just two people with opinions, and we are both equally trustworthy, and and you decide. Do your own you research. And, yeah. and by your own research, I mean open up YouTube, and type in the thing that you want to research. Is underground yeah. really like spiders. Minecraft? And then yeah. you'll find you'll find out an answer um, yeah. that is determined by an algorithm that is interested not in providing you with reliable information, but in providing you information that will cause you to pay attention for the longest amount of time possible. That's correct. Which is you. Yeah, never mind. We all know what this means. This next question comes from Drake, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, hi, I'm Drake, and I think humans would be a million times cooler if we made our own food like plants do. I've learned in my third grade science project that a sea slug." can use the chlorophyll it eats in algae to make its own food from the sun. Is there any species genetically closer to humans that can do photosynthesis? If not, my cousin and I think we should merge with slugs instead of artificial intelligence since we're killing all the green plants too fast. Sincerely, Drake. I I love this. I love everything about it. Also, this is also from Sienna, my aunt, who paraphrased and typed this for me because my hand was tired from playing Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard out there when you're in third grade and you love Minecraft. It's true. Uh, There are photosynthetic animals and not usually, they don't, not, not usually animals that do this as the primary source of their energy, but, but yes, definitely uh, as part of their energy, there is an aphid that does this, the P aphid, which is called the P aphid because it's green and it's green because it has little plants basically living inside of it that provide it with food. There's also a, a salamander, which is the closest relation to us that has, mm. it's called the spotted salamander and it it is a vertebrate. It is the only photos vertebrate that has a photosynthetic part of how it generates energy. And it basically is colonized by an algae. And that algae lives inside of its skin and produces uh, nutrition that the that the salamander actually consumes. It's not the only way that it gets energy, but it is a big part of how it wow. produces its, its life-sustaining energy. So this is within the realm of possibility. Like, we could eventually, like establish, I don't know, colonies of land-based algae that live on our skin and help uh, give us lots of the energy that we need. It would totally be possible. I I mean, like, I don't know what... So, like, we are really... We we generate a lot of energy. Like, we need a lot of energy to to survive. It's just extremely energetically taxing to be a human. Just like the amount of work that the brain is constantly doing burns a ton of calories. We're also believe very me, big. I know. We do. <laughs> we don't have a ton of surface area per unit of mass, so like we're pretty heavy for the amount of like skin we have. So, but like it could be, it would be better than nothing. I don't think it would ever be enough to sustain us. But you know, it could be like one to two percent of the amount of energy that we need, and that that's not nothing. You know. 
Yeah. I'd like, I, and also it would be like, maybe it would absorb some of those harmful UV rays. That's what I really want. So I can go outside and not get sunburned. It would also just be very cool if you could get the photosynthesis yeah. skin. You know how you can d- get different skins in yeah. Minecraft? Maybe. I'm guessing. <laughs> I will I will tell you that you will be green. You will be green. Yeah. yeah. Like, fe- like the color green. Yeah. Ever since I was a little kid, people have been making jokes about like, oh, are you green? Are you mm-hmm. feeling green today? Is it easy being green? And the, yep. I, of all the people in the world, I would be the least bothered by waking up tomorrow green. <laughs> <laughs> be like, oh, finally. Yeah. I could, go, I could come back for, to all those people and be like, yes, correct. I am green. All of your insults eventually turned my skin green, which you would think is a bummer, but no, now I'm photosynthetic. Yeah, take that. Well, thank God for plants. Uh, they're, they do it great and, and are wonderful. Little solar panels made by nature and creating everything that we consume. What would we do without it? Seriously. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? This is amazing. Yeah. Which, I'm just feel, I have a, Having one of those moments suddenly. I have those moments periodically. Like sometimes I go outside and I'm like, there's so much life out here. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's not just that it's not just that life happened on Earth. It's that life happened everywhere on Earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I was on a walk yesterday and there was a maple tree inside of an oak tree. Like there was a maple tree that had, I would say, maybe an eight inch diameter trunk that was growing out of the hollow part of an oak tree that was still alive. Yeah. And, 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 I would, and, and I just had one of those like double rainbow all the way across the sky moments where mm-hmm. you, you're just, you just marvel at life's ability. And also it's, it's like desire. It is the, the weird thing about life to me. It's not that it exists or that it exists in such abundance or that it exists in such like absurd and, and astonishing diversity. Like I love the new YouTube channel that you're making Bizarre Beasts because every week I'm introduced to some a- astonishing new form of life that exists on, on the, the same planet where I live. It's not just that so much life exists. It's that like life wants to be and and life wants to, wants to be different and life wants to be broad and it's that blows my mind mhm do you know about uh redwood fairy rings no and when when an old growth redwood tree is logged so cut down like a big beautiful redwood tree and we don't do this mm-hmm. so much anymore um it's cut down what would happen is that the the roots would still be alive. And so all around this giant diameter of tree, little sprouts would come up. And they would each try and make their way as an individual tree. And now some of those um, rings are like full growth size redwood trees. Wow. They are hundreds of years old now, and they basically are this like perfect ring of extremely tall, beefy, beautiful redwood trees that all grew from the common root base. And you can you spot these out there sometimes, and they almost look like one extremely large tree that uh, has a hollow inside. It's very Which in some cool. ways and they, they are. kind of. They are. And like they they sort of like they, by by the way that they interact with each other, they like their their branches don't grow inward because that's shaded. They only grow outward. And so they are this like really massive wow. weird hollow tree. Wow. Anyway, that just made me think about that. 
Well, thanks for coming to today's episode of The Anthropocene Reviewed. (laughs) (laughs) Or SciShow, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I can't believe that I've never reviewed Redwood Fairy Rings on The Anthropocene Reviewed. That is my jam. That is right up my alley. (laughs) Yeah. I've been to one, and they're like, it's really, it's an impressive and weird thing where you're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. So there's cause for hope in Redwood Forests and also in lots of other places. This next question comes from Maddie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, if there were never birds or things that could fly, would we have ever built planes? Hmm. Maddie, this is the Mind Blowers episode of Dear Hank and John, and you just blew my mind. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think we would have. And that makes me think, what other stuff is there what thing? that we would do if only we'd seen <laughs> another thing doing it? I don't know. I don't so I know. guess the argument, like, I, I guess the argument that we might have tried to do it anyway, yeah, is that we might have at some point wanted to get out of Earth to like see the moon up close or something, right? And then we might have developed rocketry not as a way to like fly from place to place, but as a way to try to leave Earth's orbit. But I, je- I, I, this would be a fascinating alternate history where everything is the exact same. It's just there are no birds <laughs> <laughs> and no dragonflies, no ladybugs. Yeah, or maybe there's like maybe there's flying insects, but they only fly like three feet off the ground. So it never occurs to you that you could go up that high. But then maybe like once we started like climbing tall mountains and we noticed the atmosphere was different, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, there are lots of things that we do that aren't aren't in nature. You know, there's not like any books out there that we were like, ah, that's, we, we should make one of those. But but I don't know, there's something different about flying where it just seems so impossible unless I've seen something do it. You know, as a human on the ground, I'm like, well, you can't like just build a thing that flies. But if you see a bird, you're like, well, I guess you can build a thing that flies because nature did it. Yeah. So I just want to be that bird. I don't know. I feel like we probably would would have figured it out eventually, but, but like, it would have been a event- really different process. Eventually when, Hank? We only figured it out as it is 100 years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're acting yeah, also like- the person who did it would have been like way, way, people would have been like, what are you doing? And they're like, right. I am really outside the box. I'm yeah. a really outside the box person. Well, yeah. I mean, if there were nothing with wings, how would we mm-hmm. have imagined wings? Well, yeah. And if there were bugs, like bugs fly so differently with their like fast, fast wings than birds that like soar and glide. Right. And, like you can sort of imagine that. Right. Whereas like, would, would our first planes have been like, like that kind of thing where you really just like can't be on it before your legs like go numb immediately because of the vibrations. Which reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by bug planes. Bug planes. They make, <laughs> they make your legs all numb. Yeah, I don't know if this is more efficient, but it is louder. This podcast <laughs> is also brought to you by John Actually Green. John Actually Green. He has to eat like one less bite good. of hot dog, but uh, he's actually green. I like I like that a lot. Uh, that's, that might be my favorite one ever. And today's <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Howdy. Howdy, don't answer with how you're actually doing. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Dry Bones. Dry Bones, the most underrated Mario Kart turtle skeleton. We also have a Project for Awesome message. It's from Justin from Kentucky to Nicole Pottinger. 
I thought if John Green said these words for me, you wouldn't ever feel insecure or unsure about them. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're an incredible person, and I'm privileged to be taking this journey with you. Thanks for taking it with me, too, as we figure out the future together. All is well. And could you possibly both give a personal hello? She's a big fan. Hello, Nicole. Hello. Thanks for donating to the Project for Awesome, Justin. Oh, Hank. Yes. That reminds me the most wonderful thing happened. What? Do you remember... A few Project for Awesome messages ago. I do. Somebody was like, this is the day that you Mm -hmm. and I are going to jump in the ocean wherever Mm -hmm. we are, whatever is going on. Well, those people made a TikTok of them listening to the podcast, their faces lighting up, and then walking in their clothes into the ocean and jumping (laughs) into the ocean in a totally socially distant, appropriate way, and it was beautiful. This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know... That uh, about five billion billion. That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are ninety percent water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away twenty five percent more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. It was really nice. It was the best thing I've ever seen on TikTok. <laughs> this next question comes from Christina, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I was watching Jurassic Park the other day. There's this scene towards the beginning where they're finally getting to see the dino up close. They all stand around the sick triceratops and pet her and look at her in the mouth and generally are all up in her space, admiring the beauty and size of this living dinosaur. This had me thinking, what if... When bugs and other critters crawl on and around us, they're kind of doing the same thing. Are they just admiring our bigness? Do they want to pet us the way that we want to pet really big dinosaurs? I find this disturbing, but also kind of nice. <laughs> Send help, Christina. You know, this makes me feel better about having bugs on me. I want them to be like, oh, look at this big, amazing animal. He's so beautiful and giant. Look at that breathing. He breathes so much. I, I mostly feel like they must be thinking like well this is a weird horse it's <laughs> like why is this rock warm <laughs> that's how i feel 
like treat yeah. as terrain. I don't I don't think that bugs think much about us one way or the other, at least not in the way that that we think about dinosaurs or other bugs. But there is something wondrous to me about in general the scale of life that that like you could fit millions of bugs on me and you could fit millions of bacteria on a bug and you could fit millions of me's on a brontosaurus. I, I've always liked thinking that way. Yeah, but what I want is for there to be tiny little things that admire me. <laughs> I just want to be admired. Well, that's that's why there are babies. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to. I want. I just want to be looked at the way that the paleontologist from Jurassic Park looks at that Triceratops. I don't. <laughs> but that does get to one of the important differences between the two of us. Yeah. Who cleans up the poop at Jurassic Park, or do they just let it sit around? Well, it uh, it it isn't open long enough for it to be a massive issue. <laughs> All right, Hank. We have another question. This one's from Anonymous. Who writes? Hi, John and Hank. I love your podcast and your YouTube videos. I really want to be a soccer player and play with Lionel Messi, but I live in Yemen, and in Yemen, we don't have good football teams to get scouted, and our league is suspended because of all the things that are happening in our country. What should I do? Thank you. I love you guys. This is a tough question, Anonymous, and we are not uh, soccer experts, although (laughs) one of us pretends to be. (laughs) One of us is much much it's possible there's a scale of soccer expertise john is pretty far down but i uh i i put him to shame in my lack of expertise but thank you first of all for writing in and reminding us that there are people all over the world who listen to our podcast and watch our videos that means a lot to us uh and it's very cool and interesting and i hope very much that it is a thing that is helpful and good in your life. Yeah, and I'm really sorry that there's so much suffering in your country right now and so much instability um, and, and, and so many systems that are really experiencing catastrophe. And one of those, of course, is, is the way that people play together and, um, and enjoy sports together. I encourage you to try to keep playing. Keep playing if you can. Keep playing if you can play safely. And hopefully find joy in the game itself. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really hard to live amid so much uncertainty. And if you're anything like me, maybe sports can be a place where you don't have to think about it as much. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry that it it looks harder to do it professionally uh, than it used to. And I hope that changes. Yeah, it sucks. I'm sorry. We've heard from lots of you the last couple of weeks about things being really, really difficult. And I'm sorry that they are so difficult. It's for lots of different reasons. I, I think it's different depending on, on where you live, how well your community is coping with the pandemic, but also lots of, lots of other factors as well. Um, so we hope wherever you are and however you're doing that you're able to uh, find joy where where you can find it and, and find hope where you can find it. I, I still believe, in fact, in some ways more than ever, that uh, that hope is is the correct response to the human condition. And I still believe in the idea of radical hope that hope is available to to all people at all times. And 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 so we didn't and so we just didn't feel right not acknowledging that um that it's really difficult for for a lot of y'all right now. And mm-hmm. And, and so wherever you are, we hope that you're able to get the support that you need uh, and, th- and that you're able to, to know that, that this is temporary. Um, there's a great Liberian proverb that I, that I often think of that Raj Pujabi introduced me to, no condition is permanent. 
That's that is correct. And now, Hank, let us artfully transition into the news from a third tier English <laughs> soccer team that isn't currently playing. <laughs> OK, how is that going? I think I did a great job of making the transition. Thanks for asking. <laughs> but how is the sport going? Oh, there is no sports. Uh, the <laughs> League One playoffs are happening. So like the teams that are, you know, maybe going mm-hmm. to go up to the championship, they are doing they're playing offing right now. And I'm, I'll confess that I'm a little jealous. It, it seems like that would be a fun thing to be doing instead of not playing and uh, having escaped relegation by some measures by like one eighth of one point. Uh, but Wimbledon's stadium is continuing to be built. And that is the big hope, I think, for Wimbledon fans. A, that football will come back with fans, hopefully at some point soon, although dot, dot, dot. And Mm -hmm. B, that the next time we all see AFC Wimbledon play, it will be in uh, their own stadium in Wimbledon back home uh, where they belong and have not been for 30 years. So the... Stadium construction is continuing, and the plan is to have the first game of the season at the new stadium. All right. Let's do it or not, depending on what is the correct thing to do, (laughs) depending on the (laughs) advice of public health experts. Yeah, I mean, that, right. Like, obviously, Wimbledon is a little bit of a footnote in, in that discussion. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. What's the news from oh, Mars? Yeah, yeah. Is, how's, the, how's the other planet that we might be able to inhabit someday? Well, if you so, so imagine that you've been spending quarantine uh, just scrolling through images of far off places that you will not be able to travel to. Well, I've got another one for you. Because the European Space Agency released some very dope flyover footage of the Korolev crater. And uh, it's basically, you get to like, it's it's like uh, doing Google Earth in Can, except it's a giant 51 mile across crater filled with ice all year round because the 1.25 mile deep crater forms a cold trap, keeping cold air in and preventing the ice from uh, sublimating away. So sublimation is when ice goes directly from solid to vapor without hitting that liquid, which it can do on Mars because of the low uh, atmospheric pressure. So Uh, I can look in detail at this awesome icy crater. You can, and you can you can find it by searching for Korolev Crater. It'll be fairly easy to find. Named for Sergei Korolev, who drove much of the Soviet space program, including the launch of Sputnik and late, later the flight of Yuri Gagarin. Uh, and you can watch the video, and you see what it would be like if you were like in, say, a bug plane <laughs> flying over the crater, really high up. Uh, it's you sort of like start way up above it, and then you sort of fly around the whole perimeter. Video footage was created by the European Space Agency's Mars Express spacecraft and its high-resolution stereo camera, which uh, gives you topographical information as well as actual pictures. So you can see how, like, not just like a flat picture, but with depth to it. And uh, you can just search, uh, you you can go to the European Space Agency YouTube channel or, or just search for Coral of Crater Flight. Cool. Are we still uh, are we still gonna get the rover off the ground before August eleventh? So far, so good. No, no news there. Okay, no news I, is good news. I have pinned all of my hopes on getting that that 
<laughs> rover off of the surface of Earth ASAP. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. All right, Hank, thank you for potting with me. Thanks to everybody for listening. Once again, Hank's book, A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor, is available wherever books are sold. I'm so excited for Hank and so proud of the book. And I, I can't wait for all of y'all to read it and to discuss it with your friends and family and also on the, the internet. There's a bunch of different places that you can do that, including the fans of an absolutely remarkable thing Discord channel, which has the acronym, of course, of FART. <laughs> with two A's. With two A's, yeah. A- an absolutely remarkable thing. FART. <laughs> This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our editorial assistant is Dabuki Trakavardi, and our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. The music you're hearing now is by the great Gunnarola, and as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.